to our dearest, beloved Wulira listeners. We found this song and dedicate it to you in these trying times. Hold on. It's so funny. Anyway. Yeah. And we know we are missing our friends, the Bala, our lovers. For those of you unlucky people. (laughs) This long distance is killing you. Anyway, but maybe the story about another pandemic here in Uganda a hundred years ago will help you stay home and stay safe just a little longer. This is the story of the time syphilis was declared and we quote, the most serious medical problem in Uganda and how a misdiagnosed disease turned Ugandan women's bodies into political weapons. Mengo Hospital, Woman's Ward. Patient number X, patient illness, fell ill five months ago with an ulcer in her right leg. Two months ago, a painful swelling appeared over her lower left shin. Death, January 16th. 1900. This hospital card likely described a woman who had been forcefully and publicly stripped, ironically, in the name of morality. She was caught up in the middle of a very misguided social purity campaign. Syphilis cases were rising in Buganda. Ulcers, warts, and rashes were everywhere, and there was no cure for the disease available until 40 years after this patient was diagnosed. The rise of Christianity was blamed for this immoral disease. Colonel Lumpkin argued that Christianity was weakening the moral and family structures of Uganda. Surprise, surprise! The church fought back against this accusation and hard. Orchestrating the fight was Dr. Albert Cook, long touted as a founder of our current healthcare systems and whose house still stands less than five kilometers from where we are recording this podcast right now. What is now Uganda actually had thriving healthcare systems prior to contact with white missionaries and imperialists. Take Bunyoro, for example. It is a fact that the Banyoro performed successful C-sections before the first was performed in Europe. The first time it was witnessed by a white man was in 1879, but it had been happening long before that. I've also seen a video of complex traditional brain surgery successfully completed with local surgical tools, including banana fibers and sterilization. And by the way, patient happily walks home after the operation. This pav, Albert Cook, was not the founder. And even if the facts were there, Cook still wanted to fight against what Colonel Lumpkin had observed, the truth. Cook led a campaign supported by the Anglican and Catholic churches and the protectorate government. He led it with his wife, Catherine Timpson, a woman who shared and embodied the white supremacist ideas of her fellow colonizer husband. The supposedly model couple went across the whole country, to Hoima, to the Renzori, to Bunyoni, and through to Busoga. So how did they find people who were looking for medical treatment? Through chiefs and force. Just imagine, They would organize lines of people and ask them to show their bodies to male chiefs who inspected for signs of syphilis. If you had any signs, you were then forced to go to the clinic 
for a painful mercury injection given by male doctors or their male assistants. They really did a number on women. During those public and forceful checks, relatives even had to hide women to protect them. Unfortunately, this woman, our leaf reader, whose medical card we just read, didn't have a chance. They talked about STD transmission and treatment, fine, but they also framed it as a disease stemming from immoral behavior and discouraged excessive schooling in favor of early marriage, motherhood, and morality. As if this kind of moral judgment wasn't bad enough, this is how Catherine thought about Ugandan women at the time, in her own words. And I quote, a heathen African mother is willing, nay, anxious to destroy her newborn baby. Her superstitious dread is stronger than her human mother instinct, close quote. She thought we were less than human, especially the Ugandans who weren't Christians. She also said colonial officers and their wives believed African women to be clumsier, stupider, and dirtier than African men. Can you imagine? But <laughs> my heart has stopped. From a Mozungu woman claiming that you're dirty. Can you imagine? That's why you know? I, I'll die on this How hill. Christianity, Christian feminism equals an oxymoron. Yeah. I will die on like that I feel hill. Like those two words cancel each other out. Yeah. So for me, that thing, like, it's. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. As Africans, I really worry mm. for the things that we have had to adopt in order to survive in a modern world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I worry so much about how so many of those things were created for our destruction. Yeah. But now they have become such a part of normal life that even we adopt them without thinking, mm. you know. But this is an educated woman who is wandering about in Africa with her husband, mm. but walking out with him saying, we discourage education, please mm. get married. How is marriage going to cure a disease which is sexually transmitted and is contagious? In terms of medicine, and this is not me speaking as a lawyer who's looking for business, but just like <laughs> as a human being who wants better treatment as a Ugandan, mm. I would really encourage Ugandans to one, sue more. Yeah. In Uganda, things like that happen. Mm. And I think it's because of this legacy of how like Africans have historically been treated in medical facilities. Or yeah. You can't consent. The chief comes by force to collect you for, for a mercury injection. Mm. If you are a mother, you are a stupid African who doesn't even know what's happening yeah. to your baby. Yeah. It's still the way we get treated in hospitals. True. You go to a hospital, you tell a doctor your ailment, you try to ask questions like, you don't need to know those ones. You're just <laughs> going to swallow Queenini. You get <laughs> And yeah. I think that Ugandans need you know, to like, yeah. become more assertive about protecting ourselves from a disrespect which it's now our people putting yeah. on us, yeah. but which came from a specific place. Yeah. Even just know? the misogyny that doctors yeah, embody, you know. But you know what's uh, what saddens me is that this, like, the, the, this, the, the bits of Christianity that have trickled down into the healthcare system. You find like hospitals that are predominantly Catholic will not do certain things. Like they will not uh, prescribe abortion. Uh, abortion, but also like other, mm. because they don't believe in contraception. in contraception of any kind. Yeah, you know, and yet mm. we are in 2020 and the ownership of the woman's body is still relegated to the church. And then, you know, like certain things keep seeping in and seeping in and you, you can actually trace where all these things are coming from. Mm. But also like the presumption that by virtue of the fact that you are a woman and black equals stupidity and clumsiness is just like 
that one mixture of, of misogyny and racism. Yeah. What does Moya Bailey call it? Yes, Moya Bailey and the truths call it miso- misogynoir. Like that mm. specific hatred of black women, mm. you know. I'm generally known to be a hater of Christians. I was <laughs> raised Christian, you know. Like my family is Catholic. I was raised Catholic. Mm. But for me, like, how can we divorce Christianity from the racists who taught it to us. Like, how do you remove... Because Dr. Albert came here as a missionary. Mm. His wife was a well-respected missionary as yeah. well. Yeah. Like, they were literally here, not just to treat our sick, but, like, to save our souls. How do you save someone's soul when you talk about, you talk about them like this? Mengo Hospital, women's ward, patient number X, current disease, syphilis, previous illness, syphilis, gonorrhea, religion, Walif Rida. Dr. Albert Cook was fairly obsessed with syphilis over he also had. <laughs> but seriously, why? Why was he so obsessed with this disease? With treating people like cattle, with making women go through humiliating treatment. And why were his estimations of the numbers of syphilis cases in Uganda so high? Speaking of unreasonable numbers for public health issues in Uganda, mm. something about that really reminds me of this year. 2020. Anyways, He kept collecting data on it. From when he started hospital work in 1897, he claimed that 80% of the population had it in some form, latent or active, and that two out of three Baganda women had syphilis at some point. But still, this is excessive. But to reach these numbers, he collected data about deaths, and pregnancies that ended in miscarriage, stillbirths, and infant deaths. And here we start to see a reason he was so concerned with syphilis. The colonial office used all these numbers to make a case for money to deal with it. They wanted £2,000 a year. That was a lot of money at that time. On top of this, mm. the colonial administration was obsessed with Uganda maintaining a robust population. Of course, this was for their own survival. Mm-hmm. You see, just before the syphilis outbreak, there were four epidemics in Cook's time, and they were ripping through the nation. By 1907, Bvuma Islands was taken from 56,000 people to 13,000 in only seven years. Yeah. Some districts had gone from 300,000 to 100,000 in just six years. Also, the British colonial government had just introduced poll tax and cash crops. With all these dead bodies around, who was going to do the work and pay the taxes? There were more deaths than births. Crisis was coming. Syphilis had to be defeated. God save the queen! From venereal disease! Syphilis quickly became the scapegoat and Cook's campaigns were effective in his eyes and for the colonial government's pockets. But the public stripping of women for inspection soon got unwanted attention. In the 1920s, a British female doctor saw how women were publicly humiliated. She wrote a report and secretly distributed it to the British members of parliament. And at this time, women's rights were also gaining more traction globally. Women's groups across the world started to organize and protest what was the worst public health campaign in British colonial history. Cook had to explain his social purity campaign speeches. Despite these protests, the syphilis campaign was incorporated into the general work of the colonial medical department. 
the policy eventually shifted from forced treatment to preventative propaganda. So his strategy changed to something less violating, thank goodness. But it doesn't mean that the legacy of his work did not live on. As Letters the Fortis, a missionary doctor who started her work in Kampala, eventually left the missionary hospitals for government hospitals because she felt STIs were overly diagnosed. She said, and I quote, The first thing that I was told was that about 80% of the population had syphilis. It didn't seem correct to her. And she was right. Lately, we are told that all this alarm was not even warranted. The illness, which was misdiagnosed as syphilis, may have actually been endemic yours, which is infectious and non-sexually transmitted. Where is all that morality now? Question. This ninja was actually forging the statistics. So, like, first of all, aside from the fact that you Ugandan women were not standing alone in this time, mm. I also think, one, also, okay, sorry, two, I like the fact that um, the whistleblowers in this case were all women. Of course, now also as we are whistleblowers in 2020 <laughs> on this Albert Cook, because I honestly believe the medical doctor who came to Uganda in 19... You guys, this is way... When did she come? 1940s. This yes. is way after this social purity campaign has been done. Mm. And she's complaining that STDs are still being overly diagnosed. Yeah. You know? So I am very, very, very suspicious of the numbers that this man mm. was saying. How can you say two out of three Baganda women have syphilis? But also just to like point out Baganda women, like they were just affecting each other there. Like yeah. there was like no, like it was a woman's disease in a way. Yeah, this is so sexist and so racist in a weird way that's actually playing my head. This kind of over-sexualization of Africans. That's another mm. thing I was thinking about. Actually, the first time I looked at the research, mm. um, Becky's research notes for this episode, mm. I was just like, when you see the complaint that this woman raises of how STDs are being overly diagnosed mm. and Albert Cook's um, estimations, which of course were clearly accepted by the colonial government, mm. you know, like, what did these people think about Africans? Just horny dogs just jumping yeah. on everyone from left, right, and center. That, you know, and those things then inform the ways in which we were governed because yeah. who else were being subjected to laws about who you have sex with and how you have sex? But you know yeah. what? what's also interesting is that the constant role in collaboration and uh, just the joining hands to oppress women from like the colonial government and then you have these chiefs who are who are by the way benefiting like financially because we're paying them to, to do this yeah. but at the same time because at that time Christianity had sort of made it uh, in a way that women had some sort of power so the chiefs were actually de deliberately using this as like to a down on women a now who you are becoming know. big headed yes and I think that's what this colonel, what was his name? Lumpkin. Colonel Lumpkin, <laughs> what her name. But also, yeah, I think that's also what Colonel Lumpkin was saying, right? Mm. That the problem these people had was that women are becoming weird because mm. of Christian morality. Yeah. Giving them more freedom. I don't even know what entails the... What are, what are signs of syphilis? Um, I think there were boils. So, um, so you just had like to like... Yeah. Flip your skirt and but underwear. That's, no, that's as the well. thing I'm wondering also is how this thing became an excuse to treat women this way. Yet it's clear that syphilis was a disease that was not like women are not carriers of syphilis. You, you understand? Know? Syphilis is a disease that catches both men and women. Mm -hmm. So how do we get to the point where women are having to be protected from their families? 
you know mm-hmm. and i think this also ties back to that racist woman's nonsense that african women are dirtier and stupider than mm-hmm. african men and so somehow need to be treated in this way but another scary thing for me is that this system of his even after all the protests that these feminists in the UK yeah. made mm. was still somehow incorporated into the health system i know right because I, again the the people who were practicing these were local people as well and he's like mm-hmm. and i i think that there were other men who were like actively engaged in this so just because like women from abroad were protesting that doesn't really mean that it had to change on ground yeah. which is so sad though like i can imagine just like li- lining up and flipping your skirt for some random yeah but it's hopeful transnational feminist solidarity i really appreciate the fact that mm. like this woman who I, she clearly hadn't been to uganda before she just read yeah. about this yeah and was like this needs to be brought to the attention of the parliament like mm. what these people are doing in this african country is actually wrong i really appreciate that there was that aspect of like Ugandan women were not alone, yeah. you know, even in a moment like that. Ugandan women did not have to fight this battle on their own. But also, you know, what this reminds me of is just like how our the black bodies here were treated as like it was labor it wasn't out of the interest of like people are dying and we need mm. to do a b c d but rather how does the colony survive mm. how how Who's does it yeah, you know the queen needs the following so we have to do everything and anything to make sure that this actually happens and and to think that these ninjas were so stingy like they 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 went and picked what uh what what, what were they using to inject <laughs> Mercury. Mercury when there were other like better, better treatments drugs, yeah. you know to like and the the the, the better and less painful cuz mm. imagine uh, have you seen like and they the mercury lowered the yeah. dose for africans yeah. because they said i think africans can't tolerate certain medicines mm. so while white people were getting six injections africans were getting 12 right speaking of mercury injections so apparently in when we when we're reading the research like there's an account of someone who says that there were like fiery like you injected with fire because they would inject it like burns, yeah huh? it burns and then there are different accounts of why the reasons as to why Ugandans weren't going back because they'd seen people ac- actually die yeah, so there's the one yeah was that one story of uh Kanolamkin god save him <laughs> who like injected publicly injected himself, himself just to to try and be like well this is this doesn't hurt or like you can go through this but they were like literally painful injection someone said that was like being injected with fire i, I can't even imagine want to be injected with a liquid that's used in thermometers like to measure <laughs> your temperature you know for me that's that it reminds you know. me of um it makes me think about like uh the skepticism that that is around uh vaccination you know because i remember when i was like little those a time those that was when Sevo had the kick polio out of Uganda mm. and some of the conversations that uh, people were actively because my mom was part of the Rotarians who were doing like that what if I just polio drives yeah, and what the, the drives and like the thing that she kept on complaining about was that people were saying that people in the village were then I think in Iganga that people in the village were saying that this was white that, medicine yeah, yeah white medicine us. that will dry your the child's throat, throat if you actually like 
take it. Yeah. yeah, which makes me think like, you know, like when people say like anti-vaxxers mm. and you people's really beliefs. You can't lump African and yeah. black anti-vaxxers together with this mind. Exactly, because we're, really we're, ca- we're coming from like a, such a foundational fear yeah. of like and seeing. And a very valid yeah. fear you know, of deliberate actions that have been taken through medical means Mm -hmm. to, like, destroy our lives, which I think is very different from, like, people claiming 5G radiation will give you (laughs) COVID-19. Because I don't think Africans who are anti-vaccination approach it from that that perspective, you know? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, people are approaching it from the perspective of, in the past, people have had... There was Mm. a time Nestle had actors, actresses, dressed up as nurses, traveling through villages in different parts of Africa, telling women that breast milk is bad for you, you should feed your children formula. Wow. So how, why would you blame African women mm. who have been exposed to such kinds of deadly marketing from such companies mm. for saying that, like, we don't want to expose our children to whatever milk these people are selling, you know? Yeah. But so, it, yeah. Even just the... Scary. But, Jackie, I was also thinking of something you said about how the British government um, was not thinking of um, Africans in Uganda as citizens who should be protected from disease, mm. but as workers who need to be back digging coffee and cotton. Mm. I really think that is, like, a complete and total, like... Is it a parallel when they're similar or is it like just know it's very similar to how we see COVID being treated now? Yeah. It's almost even if you sit there and discuss economy is suffering. <laughs> it has open. Yeah. It's you know, irrespective of mm. of like how much the disease has spread, whether we're able to manage it, the mm. consideration for human life. I think that the way that the colonial governments treated us, mm. I think as Africans, we were the precursors of the ways in which capitalism is going to dehumanize us forever. Yeah, but you know it, it, yeah. that your life is not important except for how much money you can make me, yeah. the white man who owns this country that you you and your people somehow were mm. born in, you know? Yeah, but even in the yeah. context of Corona, you can see like how like uh, medical racism is a thing. Mm. And then looking at how uh, that example of the French doctor who was on television in France saying, but well, we, we can try. We Yeah, you know, but just, just the fact that we are not considered as humans who like this disease will affect. Mm. In fact, humans were, who's like the, the disease hasn't even come from us. It's like mm. coming in from again, rich people who can travel all over the place and then infecting poor people here. So it's just like, in a way, how many years has this been? But you you find like the, yeah. you know, the, the sentiment, the colonial sentiment and it the dehumanization of like black bodies as this thing, as we can test on them, you know, mm. because they're probably going to die anyway. So how about we try this and see how that goes? Yeah. But yeah, and so for me, I think that we see the way that our government interacts with us on the mm. basis of how colonial government interacted with Africans. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that this this culture of treating people not as adults who also want to fight a disease that's killing them. Mm. Like, I don't think this culture has left our health system. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But also, like, how people treat, um, like... How the, the language around uh, the language around disease. So we see like in Corona times, like the suspect. But mm. you see here, it's the performance of it. Is mm. that you come and then you show. 
Or even just considering Corona. <laughs> like, you see how these guys went and sent the chiefs to collect people by force? I feel like that's the same way how we are being treated in COVID. Instead of mm. being told, this is how you prevent it, wash your hands, wear masks. It's just LDUs to cane you or to confiscate your border, you know? Yeah. Looking at this story, of course, it makes us reflect on Corona today. And what is most interesting about Corona in Uganda right now is everything around it. From the massive international aid we cannot track to drama around the masks. We can count the people who have died during the Corona times because of the overzealous LDUs and police. Or pregnant women and babies who have died on their way to hospitals because of the lockdown and curfew. One thing is clear, disease is political. Don't get caught up in the mess. Wear your mask, social distance, enjoy your UG pineapple from home. It's cheaper anyways. We are excited to say that this season of Volera is made possible because of feminist money, specifically donated by the African Women's Development Fund and Frida, the Young Feminist Fund. We would appreciate more from the rest of you. <laughs> May feminist money really increase. Thank you for listening. You can find Bulira on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter. And as usual, all our notes and sources will be shared on our Medium page.